I want to show you this morning. I said to Neil, it's, you know, you know you've done a good job raising your kids when your kids make you laugh on Mother's Day. And um, I got this beautiful card from my daughter Lucy this morning. It's pink and it's glittery and it's, you know, really cute. It's got two boats on there. You can't really see them. Um, so there's a mummy boat and a baby boat. And inside the card it says, thanks for loving me even when I was a little ship. <laughs> Sorry, did I just get away with that one? <laughs> and it came with a gift. This gift is amazing. I love kitsch things. So again, look, I'm really sorry. If this is, I, hope, I hope you're not offended. I just think this is hilarious. So this is, this is a dancing Jesus. Look at that. It's like, this is going to look great in, on my Fiat. I love these kind of things. And, and it comes with a scene. So you can put, build a background. So there's all the disciples. And wait, there's more. Because it comes with an instruction book on how to dance with the master. And, and so there's a whole lot of dances in here. There's, uh, let me, I, actually, I need to put my glasses on because it's so small. Here we go. Uh, the Judas Hustle. Oh, no, we don't want to talk about that one. Okay, let's, uh, let, where's the really good one? The Water Walk, which is kind of like, like that. Uh, but my, my favourite one comes right at the back, uh, and it's called the Ascension Swing. So you... Um, Raise your hands in the air like you just don't care. So, you know, it's so great. So classic. Yeah, it's really good. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove Jesus because he might, not that he's going to be distracting, but you might be distracted by the dancing one. Yep, so we'll get that out of the way. There is something quite wonderful, though, about things like that that make you laugh. You know, you stick your hands in the air and, and dancing with Jesus. And in all seriousness, that's actually a really great message. Because there's so much in life that's tough, right? And, and the Christian life is not this kind of miserable life that we live. Actually, you know, I love the ascension dance because very soon we're going to be celebrating the ascension of Jesus where Jesus returned to heaven. And that came with the promise that Jesus is coming back. And in the meantime, he is always with us. If we simply put out, we say to Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you gave your life for me so that I can enjoy peace with God forever. That's an amazing thing to declare and to, and to look in the face of God and, uh, and to know that you are never alone, which is really part of the message I want to bring to you today. I, um, I have said, I haven't been preaching much since last August, um, but I think this message is perhaps the most important message I'll preach this year. Okay. It's not the first place I've preached it at, and, but it's just so important. I think it's a message for the Australian church. And every time we open the Word of God, and we're going to open the Word of God in a minute, and you'll get your, uh, if you have your Elevate um, app, if you've got a phone with you, if you want to open the Scriptures, if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to be looking in a very small story in Luke chapter 10, and it's a story about girls, um, but it's not a girly message. This is a really important message that I think has actual application to the whole of, of our country, to who, what it means to be an Australian and what it means to be an Australian person who is a follower of Jesus. So are you excited about this? Yeah. Great. Okay. So um, I like to make the difference between, do you know what an aha moment is? You know when it's almost like your brain, like your brain thinks just, yeah, oh. You, so, you know, when we come to church and we open the Word of God, this is not just about aha moments. You know, when, you, when your brain connects two things together and go, oh, I get it. Now, often... Uh, I will confess, you know, I come to church sometimes or I read the Word and it's like, oh, I get that. But it actually just stays as some knowledge. Now, knowledge is not a, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
But there's something else that we talk about in, in church world, and that's called a revelation or an epiphany, if you're in, in a tradition, older tradition of the church. And the difference, I think, between an, oh, I get that to a revelation or an epiphany, is that in a revelation moment, it's the lining up of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's, it's knowledge that goes right through you and reorders every single part of your life. Now, what happened in August last year, I was really um, praying and, and, and quite concerned about a number of things. And in the two o'clock, you have those two o'clock in the morning moments where you wake up and God speaks to you. It was one of those moments. So two o'clock in the morning in August last year, I wake up and it was more than an aha. It was one of these revelation moments where suddenly things lined up and I have not been the same person since then. And that's the story I want to tell you today. So what happened was uh, the Lord brought to my mind um, the story of Mary and Martha. Now we're going to read this and then I'll tell you why I don't like this story. (laughs) So it's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Tell her her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I think this is one of the most irritating stories in the whole Bible. (laughs) If you, like me, have been a little girl growing up in church, you've heard this this story over and over again, and you've probably heard it preached a million times, mostly by men. But from a female perspective, I can tell you this is an irritating story. Because we've got two women here, and ultimately, you know, the story is preached about, well, you know, do you want to be more like Mary or do you want to be more like Martha? Because Mary's the good girl, right? She's the one who sits at the feet of Jesus and Martha is the one who's serving. And so it's usually like, like there's nothing wrong with serving, but really we ought to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, if you're a woman uh, with any sense of gumption, you will know that that's just plain irritating, right? Because unless Jesus is about to pull out a miracle of feeding the 5,000, someone has to get the lunch ready. So this doesn't sit, like you kind of get it, but I kind of get that kind of message, but it doesn't sit well in my soul. I'm going, there must be more to this story because it doesn't quite make sense. Here's the great thing about God and his word, is that when you find these irritating things in scripture that you don't, I kind of get that, or that's just really irritating, can I encourage you to value those things? Don't give up thinking about these stories that drive you nuts or these things that you read that you don't understand. I'm, I'm really old now and, I, and for years this thing has irritated me and I've been going, when will I understand what this story is about? And it's so fun when all of a sudden it goes, ah, oh, it changes your life. So keep digging around in scripture and don't worry if things don't make sense because one day they will and it'll be so fun and then you've got stuff to share with people. Anyway, I digress a little bit. But it, um, the problem I have with this Mary Martha story is that, is that it, it often is preached about or thought about as a story of comparison. 
It's a narrative about behaviour. And that's right on one level, but I think it goes much deeper than that. This story is also interesting because it falls between two other things in Scripture. So I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of us read our Bibles on our phones or iPads or whatever now. And one of the disadvantages of that is you don't necessarily get to see what's becoming before or after. And so let me just give you a bit of background to this story because it comes between two things. And it's always good to look a bit broader. So before this story is the story of the Good Samaritan. And then immediately after this story, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. So in this story, we have a tension between two women. One's active, one's passive, shall we say. But that itself is, and that's a tension for us. We don't know how to resolve that. But then on either side of that, you've got the active story of the Good Samaritan and you've got the seemingly passive story of praying. Does that make sense? Do you get where I'm going with this? There is always this tension about being and doing. And it's probably best expressed in the, book of, in the letter of James in the New Testament. And James talks about this tension we hold between being and doing. So how do we know how to be and do without jumping to conclusions that we have to be one or the other? How do we hold this being and doing in tension? I want to say a couple of things about these two women. First of all, that Jesus loved both of them. They were his great friends. In other parts of the New Testament, we read about Jesus' interaction with his family of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and that he loved them. So he wasn't making a judgment about whether Mary or Martha was better, and yet often we read the scripture, read the story like that. Do you feel like that? Is in, am I? Yeah, you, you're with me? But Jesus loved both of them. So it's, I don't think this is a, just a story about behaviour. There's something deeper going on. The other thing that struck me this last week, I mean, I've been thinking about this for months, right? But I, even last week, God keeps showing me fresh things because I thought about these two figures, Mary and Martha. And I thought, why is it that for 2000, nearly 2,000 years of reading the Bible, we've looked at Mary and Martha and we've branded them? Mary is the quiet one, Martha is the active one. And forever they're trapped in that caricature, but that was, this is one moment in one day. Have you ever felt that you've been trapped in a picture of one moment in one day and you can't get out because you're forever branded? Or maybe even you, t- you, know, you Instagram something or you Facebook a moment. I Facebook a moment this week watching Eurovision in my slippers, my sparkly slippers. And I thought how easy it would be for people to make an assumption about who I am based on that one picture, which is one moment in one day. So when we come to the scriptures, it's a reminder that our lives are not frozen in time. And Mary and Martha ought not to be frozen. I can't wait to meet them in heaven when I get there. And to say sorry, because <laughs> I'm sure that they, you know, these are two women just living with this tension of what does it mean to be and do and to be friends with Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you're feeling trapped in a picture that you can't get out of or where you feel that you've been branded in a certain way, I'm mean, praying that today as you hear this story again or think about this story again, you'll recognise that you don't have to be trapped in a one moment of your life and that's it for you. 
Every day walking with Jesus is a day for difference and change. Okay, we can be free to change. So, I think, I think that this is a story not about behaviour, not about how we present. This is a story about the human heart. There's an invitation here to think about what is going on in the heart of Mary and Martha. Again, if I step back a bit, the whole of the book of Luke, the, le- the book that Luke wrote, you see this theme going through. He's really interested in the human heart. And what we know about Jesus and the human heart is that Jesus is the one who can perfectly see what's going on in our heart. The Bible talks about we actually don't even know perfectly what's going on in our own hearts. Only God can see into our heart. We get glimpses. There's a great verse in, in, Luke, in Matthew that says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what kind of, what's going on in your heart, just listen to yourself talk sometimes or listen to what's going on in your head that you don't say. <laughs> Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. It'll give you an indication. And just think about even the last 24 hours. How's your heart? How's your heart? Is it unsettled, anxious, happy, glad, frustrated? Today is an invitation to come and sit and be with Jesus and to think about what he might be saying to our hearts. Now, I want to show you this picture. This is uh, painted by a Russian, no, Polish-Russian painter. His name is Henryk Hector Sereditsky, something like that. It's from 1886, and you might be thinking, why on earth am I showing you this picture? It's because, as well as sitting in the frustration of stories when you read them in your Bible and you don't understand them or things that irritate you, another way of approaching Scripture is through art, music. A lot of people here like music. Um, to actually think about the passage of Scripture through something else. Now, this is a painting painted in 1886. And as I've thought about the story of Mary and Martha, I looked at this, because what it does, what art does and what these things do, is they actually bypass our mental barriers. Because if you've grown up reading the Bible, if you've read the Bible many times, you almost expect you know what's going to happen. This is a very familiar story. We all know what's going on in this story. When you look at a painting, it helps you to think differently. It actually bypasses your brain and it gives gives us access into our souls and our heart. So again, if if you're finding the Bible dry or hard to read, think about other ways to approach the scripture and art can be a great way of doing it. The other thing is that it connects you with people who for hundreds of years have thought about this story. Why else would you paint this story unless you've been thinking about what on earth is that story about? So this is a great painting. And uh, if you notice that already, and I'm sure you've been looking at it while I'm talking, central to the story is Jesus, so that makes sense, right? And then you look down here and you can tell which is which, can't you? The painting shows us who is who in the story. This has to be Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, that has to be her in the background. Interesting that Mary and Jesus are painted in really bright colours, Where do you want to be? If you think about where would I want to be in the painting, you want to be where the bright colours are, don't you? You want to be there. And then then Martha, she's almost disappeared in the background. So this painting is actually making a comparison, isn't it? It's actually posing the thing like, who do you want to be and where would you want to be? The background where you're fading into the background or the foreground when you're in the bright and shiny colours? It's just interesting, isn't it? But this is a story about the human heart. 
And there is a couple of other things going on in this painting that perhaps you haven't noticed or seen yet. But one of them is the roses on the side. And then there's birds eating food. This painter, I think, was really clever. In Luke 12, uh, Jesus talks about flowers and about birds. And he said this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, or consider the pigeons, shall we say in this picture, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a smaller thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies or consider the roses, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is, God's, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So let me take you to the aha moment for me, or the aha moment was, so we haven't got to the revelation yet, the aha was, this is a story about the human heart. And when I looked at the story and I looked at this painting and I thought, so what's going on in the heart of Mary? And what's going on in the heart of Martha? Here came the revelation moment. This is a story about peace. Because in that frozen moment that's captured in the painting, the difference between Mary and Martha is that, that Mary's heart was at peace because she was face to face with Jesus. Martha was worried and distracted about many things. And I thought, oh my goodness, in my heart, I am worried and distracted about many things. My heart is not at peace. Most days, my heart is not at peace because I am often worried and distracted about many things. And yet as a follower of Jesus, every day I have the opportunity to walk closely with Jesus because he's always with me, whether I'm paying attention to the fact that he's with me or not. I'm always in the presence of Jesus. I don't have to wait for a moment when Jesus comes to visit my house and then I can sit at his feet. Jesus is always with me. So why is it that my heart is not at peace? Why is it that I live a worried and distracted life? 
deeply, deeply challenging. See, if you thought this was a girly Mother's Day message, you were wrong. This fundamentally transforms who we are as people when we recognise that we are always with Jesus and we're following him. And it raises the question, so what is going on in our hearts? Are we worried and distracted about many things or are we people at peace? And here's where the aha moment got even deeper. As a church leader, as someone who has the privilege of visiting many churches and thinking about the church, broader church in this country, I went, ah, this is a bigger aha moment. (laughs) See, for many years I've been asking God this question. What does the gospel sound like for Australian people? What is the good news for Australia? Because my gut feeling is a lot of people in our country are not interested in hearing about Jesus. And when they do hear about Jesus, they don't think it's very good news. And how much of that is about the church, about how we convey the good news, about how we live our lives? And particularly last year, by the time we got to the end of last year, I thought, my goodness, the church has been so up against it this last year, and in some cases, rightly so. But how did we as the Australian church respond to all the challenges of last year and the challenges of living in a country that is as good as ours? When you stack the gospel as it's often proclaimed and the good life in Australia and you put them side by side, it looks like that, doesn't it? So what does the good news sound like for most people? I think the gospel, I think this picture shows us I think the good news for Australian people is that Jesus is our peace. Because I don't, you know, when even when you talk to very successful, seemingly very happy people, when you scratch the surface a bit, they are not at peace. Not at peace. Now, this is really challenging because, church, if we are not being, I think the challenge for us now is to be people who live in peace. You know, there's uh, the statistics that say by the end of this year, four million Australians will be be suffering with mental illness. It's shocking. And and those things are increasing. Why is that? Well, there's lots of reasons why, but fundamentally it does say something about people not being at peace. Mm -hmm. So this is now a message for us It's a message for any of you here this morning who don't know Jesus and haven't met him yet. This is a message that's going to be good for us, but it's a message that is good to take to other people. But it's a message that's not so much about maybe what we say, it's about how we live. And this is why it's a transforming moment, because I am not the same person I was last August. I had been worried and distracted about many things, some very big things, some things that were breaking my heart, pain in my heart, all sorts of things. And I had to be confronted with this picture and this story and go, Jesus, I am in your presence. And where Jesus is, there is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so how do I welcome Jesus into my life so that at any moment of every day, no matter what's going on, no matter how hard life might be or no matter what challenges are facing me, I'm at peace. And when there's good things going on, I can be at peace. See, I suspect that if we lived as people who were fully at peace, that would be such an attractive thing to everyone we meet. 
Don't you want to be like that? No, I'm not saying you're not like that. (laughs) But generally speaking, I think this is an invitation to walk in peace. So this morning, my gift to you on this day is this gift of peace. See, I think it's a prophetic message. And what that means in church language is, if you feel it in your heart that this is speaking to you, then grab hold of it. That's your responsibility. My responsibility is just to share this with you. Your responsibility is to take hold of it and to incorporate it into your life. To agree with God that he wants you to be a person that is growing deeper and deeper and deeper into peace. The other reason why I think it's a prophetic message is because in March this year, Hillsong released a new song called Peace. And when I heard it, I went, you know, everywhere I go and I'm talking to ministers and I'm talking to people about this message of peace, I can just see it. People are going, looking at me going, you're right. And it's not about me being right. It's about God, you know, agreeing with God. This is a message. You can almost, I can almost see it sometimes drop into people's hearts when I'm talking about it, which says to me, this is not nothing to do with me, right? This is God is speaking. Often when I've shared this message with people, they're saying to me, you know what? God has been speaking to me about the same thing. And that's that kind of alignment when we agree together that God is speaking to us. There's a power in that. There's an encouragement about that. You might want to look around this morning and go to each other, yeah, you know, like let's walk in this journey of peace together. It's not just about, I mean, the song is going to talk about anxiety and things like that. Peace is more than just a fix-it problem when we don't feel well. Peace is more about just learning to live differently than being worried and anxious about many things. Maybe for a moment, think about the thing that you are struggling with the most. And now bring the peace of Christ to that. You know, there's an, there's an agony in my heart that people I love, that are very close to me, are not walking with Jesus. As a mother, I can't tell you how agonising it is to know that one of my children is not walking with Jesus. But you know what? I'm at peace today because Jesus loves my son and Jesus loves me. And his peace passes any reasoning, understanding. That's what he promises us. His peace passes all understanding. And he's the miracle. Because I think my son has often encountered me as being a mother who is worried and anxious about him. The miracle is I can be his mother who is at peace. And that doesn't mean I don't talk to God about him or anything like that. But what it means is, why should I be worried? Because I don't think Jesus is worried. Do you see Jesus worried in the pages of Scripture? Do you see God worried? This is his gift to us today, to not be worried and anxious about many things, even the big and important things in life, but to be the people who walk in peace. I'm really thrilled today that my daughter and my niece are going to bring with you, along with um, Jess and and, um, Jared, are going to come and bring you this song from Hillsong. I want to just let you, let the song just wash over you and then go and find it on Spotify or whatever. 
and just listen to it. Again, let me say very clearly, this is not just a fix-it song when you're feeling down. This is just about walking in the way of peace with Jesus who is always with us, looking into his face and being at peace. This morning, if anything that Tanya has said resonates with you, I'm going to invite you to do two things. And the first thing I really want to do before we kind of move on to wrap things up today is, you know, this anxiety thing is a big deal in our society today. It's a massive deal. And I see it every single day with the teenagers I teach. And this message, I think, is quite profound that we get to be in a position today to hear the heart of God. And not only do I think that people more than ever are feeling this anxious feeling of fear or doubt or insecurity, I think some of our adults feel the same. And I think that today is a really significant moment for those of us that are here because today we're going to pray and we're going to allow the Spirit of God, the perfecter of peace, to infiltrate our hearts and to be able to allow healing to happen. So I'm going to do two things. The first thing I'm going to do is pray for people and it's really simple. All you're going to do is slip up your hand and we'll do a really nice quick prayer. No one can see you but me, which is cool. And the second thing I'm going to do is those of us sitting here today who have never had the opportunity to say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. Yes, I want to say that He is my Lord, my Saviour. I'm going to follow Him for the days of my life. I'm going to get you to slip up your hand in the second group. But those two things are gutsy and profound, but I do not want to miss the opportunity to do that today because I feel it would be remiss of me if I didn't because I feel like God wants us to do this today. So right now, in your own private little space, everyone's looking forward, no one's turning around and looking around. If you would love for me to pray for you specifically for this kind of anxiety, this fear, this this, you know, those, those breaths that you can't take sometimes because they're really hard and you try and breathe but you can't because your shoulders are tight and you just don't know what to do. Today, I believe that God wants to descend His peace on us and allow His peace that surpasses all understanding to permeate in our lives. So if that's you, just a quick slip up your hand. Yeah, cool, all over the building. Yep. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that today God is going to do a miraculous thing in our hearts. And He is going to get into the very small places that we maybe don't let Him in. He's going to do something that's going to change the very way we see life and the way we live our lives. So let's pray. And if you didn't slip up your hand, if in your heart you feel like your heart's beating and you're sweating a bit, that might just kind of be the Holy Spirit saying, yep, that's you too. That's cool. I'm going to pray for you too. So if you didn't put up your hand, no stress. Father, we come before you and we just declare right now that your Spirit is here. Father, we declare that you, Lord, are our God and our King. Greater are your ways, greater are your plans, greater are your purposes. And Father, right now I prophesy the Spirit of peace over everyone's life. 
the very core of who we are and how we're created in our heart of hearts. I pray that your spirit is like a balm that goes into our minds and our lives and it just allows us to descend a spirit of peace through everything that we do. Your Word is truth. Your Word is like a lifeline. And right now I declare that your peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter circumstance, no matter issue, no matter situation, that your peace resides, that your voice is the loudest voice, that your heartbeat is the loudest heartbeat, that your way, Lord Jesus, is the greatest, most profound way. And we, Father, align ourselves with that. God, we pray for a miracle today for people that find it so hard sometimes to get out of bed or to go into a social setting or to just do life function stuff. I declare a miracle that they will feel a peace that allows them to step confidently, knowing that you go before them, that you are beside them, that you are behind them, that you have them in the palm of your hand. I thank you so much for that, Lord Jesus. And today, I pray that this is the beginning of freedom in your spirit. I thank you so, so much. And we declare that this house, this church, Elevate Church, will be a place that permeates your peace that as people walk into this building, that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that God is here and you breathe your spirit over every single life and every family represented in Jesus' name. Amen.